welcome our listeners back to the Red Letter Life Discipleship uh, Podcast, sponsored by uh, Lifestone Ministries. Our purpose is to be a resource to Christian leaders. We desire every Christian to become more engaged with the Great Commission. I'm Craig Robleski, and joining me today is uh, Pastor Brian Hagerman from Foundation Church out in Norwalk, Ohio, and Brett Creamer. So let's talk a little bit about today some of the barriers that are stopping us from discipling others. So I'm married. I was in, I was running the singles ministry for six years. Had about altogether 90 people, but like 30 people showed that would rotate through. So it was always a rotating group. So uh, running this ministry, I was spending time after class sitting with them. They would be waiting in line, you know, when you're done teaching, right? And they're waiting in line to talk to me and I would spend time. I would be there for another hour, hour and a half. And my wife, who just had a baby, she says, when are you coming home? Yeah. And then yeah, you find that my life now at home is is in jeopardy because I'm spending time with people and I was being pulled away from ministry at times with family. And then it's a, it's a matter of like, even because you're trying to do church, you're trying to do a lot of the disciple making stuff. But getting back to your question, Craig, of how do we get there? It's, I use this term, don't know if you've ever heard me use it before. It's RVP, it's reordered value placement. As leaders, we need to help train and equip them, that missing element of reordering the value and placing it in the right priorities. Because as we, if we can get leaders to have that RVP, then it will reorder, because everything is not bad, just what's best. And if we can get leaders into that mode, then those people they're influencing, it will, things will start to change. And it's not so much you have to add stuff to your schedule or add things to your ministry. It's refocusing it. It's reordering it. It's re- reordering the value of what you're doing. All right. So now we're getting somewhere. The sheep are going to follow the shepherd wherever the shepherd goes. Is that a fair comment? Okay. So now we have to start looking at, again, if we look at the barriers, time, this, that, how are we spending our time? So if we look at our leadership, because we're talking about leaders, how are our leaders spending their time? And you know, I had, a, I had someone that really worked well with me. This is a long time ago. I was involved in the church very heavily. Me and my wife both were in, in different ministries, a lot of different ministries. But I really wanted, I really wasn't discipling well. I wasn't, I was teaching, but I wasn't replicating. And there's a difference. And he asked me, he goes, I want you to write out your schedule and show me where your margin is. Show me what you're doing. So I showed him, and I had some things in there where I did some stuff for myself once in a while, you know, just playing some basketball here and there, whatever. My sheet of time was filled up with a lot of ministry things and some family stuff. He's like, well, looks like you're not going to be disciple-making or being a, a replicator. And he goes, you have to be able to create that, and you got to create margin, and it has to take priority. So I started looking at my schedule. It's like, I'm not going to do that for take away from my family. So it reordered the way I valued ministry. Amen. In my own personal life. I'm not even talking about the church. I'm talking about my home. Discipling my family well was always a starting point. But then... In the church, how I'm doing it, the, the relationships that I'm doing, valuing them as like a reservoir, not just all the different places I serve, focusing on doing something best, not doing a lot of things well. So that's just from a home standpoint. When a church or a parachurch ministry or other places start to view things in, in, in that way, you look at your schedule and look at your time and how are you making disciples? You don't add it to your schedule. You're, you 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 start to revalue, you replace things 
in your schedule. And so what are, what are you replacing those things in the schedule with? And again, we're talking about in the home, we're talking about, uh, you know, small group leaders, we're talking about leaders in the church, we're, we're talking about many different areas here in many different spheres. What are we replacing those activities with? What does it look like when we're moving in the right direction? Well, that's the barrier that people don't, that's, that's one of the barriers is they don't know how, they've never been trained, like, because it, it, it begin it, you start to shuffle your life, because it goes against, like, if you go to church and you want to look at it differently, uh, maybe the church you're serving in, you know, values things a little differently, traditional stuff, and goes against the grain. Um, so it may, that barrier may be that where you have to get more dirty in relationships, and you're not serving in all the different capacities, and maybe your leaders in the church will feel it, or maybe you are a church leader, maybe you're not the senior pastor, so it's causing you to shift a little bit. If you are a senior pastor, maybe you're a parachurch, maybe somewhere in the community, it's causing you to, look, take the time. It's a process, not a program. Processes over years, like Jesus spent time with the disciples. It's dirty, meaning you're going to get your hands dirty in their life. They're going through marriage problems. Taking the time to go out with them, understand, hear their heart, help them through. And if you can't, at some point, maybe get a marriage counselor involved. But um, it's it's also, hey, you know, guys developing guys, talking about so much stuff of like how to do better with your wife, with your kids, with your home. Um, it's, it's about going out of your comfort level. This is the barriers, even from homes. How do you shuffle this around? It's, it's easier said than done. Hey, I want to go and put this community in my home, in my schedule. Okay, but when you actually, when, when, you, when, when the rubber meets the road and you, someone gets in your life and you start to really unpack things with them, they want to go further. Okay, man, this is a lot of time. Oh my goodness, I didn't realize that this was going on in your life. Not being judgmental, right? Because many people are afraid of being judged. But when you get that trust and you win that right to be heard and you build that trust, now all of a sudden here comes the dirt, here comes comfort levels. You're like, I'm uncomfortable listening to this. And you start looking around like, oh, look at my watch. When can I leave? <laughs> you know, Discipleship takes you to uncomfortable places. I get that. So, so and again, I'm going to keep trying to break this down for me to understand. So we're in a spot where our, the men in the church are not discipling in their homes. They don't know how. Sure. They don't have the tools. They don't have the training. They're not equipped. And let's just take that to the next step level. Okay, my, my, small, group, my small group leaders, they're not discipling. They, they don't know what the tools are. They haven't been trained. Uh, they haven't been equipped. All right, so now we're getting back up to the church leadership. They're called to, to lead the flock. And uh, I think many churches are in this very position, right? I think that's why we're, we're having these podcasts, right? Because this is exactly the same question everyone's asking all over the place. What do we do? How do we spend our time? How do we prioritize? How are we spending our time? So that's, that's a multi-layer answer. So it's different if you're a pastor of a church than you are a leader in your home. The principles are the same, but the processes... So depending on what you're answering, are you asking for principles? Are you asking for some different things? If, if you're just a person, say, in a workplace, and say you are someone, or say you're a parachurch ministry, and you want to be able to enable people in the community, maybe your community involvement, there's different answers for different places. So if you're trying to reorder and you're trying to instill this, it just depends on where you're at. What do you think there, Well, Where you were talking priorities, a lot of, as you know, in ministry, it's usually, what, 10% do 100% of the work Roughly, at the church, yeah. right? Roughly, 15 20%, but it's the same principle. Okay, yeah. and so you have a lot of people wearing multiple hats. And when you are running yeah. multiple ministries, now you have multiple people to help and guide, and they're calling you all day long. It is stressful. To then say, I'm going to 
now disciple three people. That's difficult. Yes. Why are we not raising up more people from the flock? Getting people ready to fill our shoes, getting people ready to take our space. Who says we're going to be here forever? All right. I, I think you we know? just hit another major milestone, right? So we have a very good biblical example of what this should look like, right? Mm -hmm. the, the Moses theory, right? When his yes. father-in-law came to visit and uh, Jethro comes and Moses is spending night and day judging the people. What was Jethro's advice? Right? He put, You're it's crazy. Mail, boy. No one can do that. And I think we have I think we have a lot of leadership that are stuck in that mode where they're trying to do it all. They're trying to be all and they're running ragged and they're super busy. Yeah. And Jethro's advice was Train up some leaders. Yeah, you're going to kill yourself. So no matter what position of leadership you're in, whether it's secular or Christian or church, or the, the idea is, is that the leader is training up more leaders. And if we don't spend our time doing that, we're never going to get there. We're never going to get to the spot where we reach the, the small group leaders. We're never going to get to the spot where we're reaching our homes. We have to start training up the leaders, equipping and training them, and then sending them out. That's exactly what Jesus did. He spent time training the leaders. So if we're spending our time doing anything but training leaders, we're never going to move the needle. So think of it from a business perspective. You have leadership training in-house. You send them out for training. Why to develop them? Same thing, same principle would apply in a church. Same thing in your home. I'm raising up my kids to do what? To be who? It's the same principle in church. And the reason why you asked that question, Brett, about why aren't we, you know, why don't we just start refocusing? The problem is you... We need to disciple our people to raise them up to be leaders. We need to disciple, and that takes a lot of time and effort. That takes a prioritization of a schedule. And right now, churches are so busy just maintaining church. You know, the whole—that's that, another discussion about um, church maintenance. There's books written on this. You know, are we maintaining growing? And there's a big difference. And it all comes back to from a vision and mission statement. So I would say this. I'm going to pull this back from the very, very basis— how do we get there? And that's why I asked you the question. No matter what, there's a principle for everything. What's your vision and what's your mission? Because that becomes your filter for everything. If the Great Commission is your filter, and it could be looked differently from, a, from different churches based on the values of and the giftings of the community and the people there. A, a business, a parachurch ministry will have a Great Commission mindset, but it'll have a different language in it. A home could be a great commission home, but it has different how, how the elements of how you're going to fulfill it. Everything is born from a vision and mission statement. Everything. And if you don't know where that you, if you don't know where you're going, you don't know how you're going to get there, and you don't know exactly where you're going to land. Every, I, I like to work backwards a lot. So I have a vision statement, right, or mission statement, and then I know what I want to be on the very end of it, and I work backwards from there to, to set those goals in like a one-year time frame, a rolling three-month time frame a three- to five-year plan, a five- and ten-year plan, everything kind of rolls based off what I'm wanting to do, that vision statement. So a church needs to come back. What are we doing? Are we going to make disciples? Okay, then how do we do that? And it may, may make you, hey, well, we need to come back, and maybe we need to reorder and reprioritize how we do ministry here from a home standpoint. Why does it need to be any more complicated than whoever we're calling a Christian leader, discipling, coming alongside the next layer in that leadership, whatever that is, whether it's home or whether it's small group or whether, and if we're all going all the way back up the church leadership, why is it any more complicated than just, you know, the leader in the church coming along, the leaders that he has and training them and discipling them and growing them spiritually and showing them what it looks like? Why is it any more complicated than that? I mean, it comes back to people's time too. 
that now they look at that as saying, it's kind of like uh, putting a Band-Aid on the problem. We're so busy. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. I think we keep doing that even in ministry, not just at the workplace. We do it in ministry where we know there's people we should be raising up and we just don't have the time. We, we don't, you know, maybe we should be inviting them We don't them have the to, time not to do it. That's exactly that's, what Jethro was yes. telling Moses. You do yeah. not have the time not to do this. Why do we make this more complicated than that? Why does it need to be? There's a rat race of life. There is. And there was during Moses' time. There was a rat race to what he was doing. It's, 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 it's been uh, a nature, no matter if we have technology or not, right? And culture says that we need to keep up with the Joneses. So churches do the same. I want my church. I want, and so it's a matter of, instead of looking at where that replacement value theory that I keep talking about, is just we need to value the community in which we reside, not to be the church. What is my vision and mission here? What is my And so the time element, like what Brett said, is very important because it becomes back to what is my mindset as a parent, as a person in the community, as a church leader, what, what, what is my goal? I agree What's with that. Vision? As a parent, Brian, my kid children are going to value at a young age, right, until they grow up, they're going to value what I value. Sure. They're going to do what I do. They're going to speak the way I speak. And I think it's the same in our churches. The congregation and the small group leaders and the deacons and the elders generally are going to value wherever the shepherd's leading. Sure. So what happens is this. I'm just going to talk from a very specific place right now, the church, because that's where the basis of the community is, especially Christians. Sure. Okay? Okay. Churches, and right or wrong, and I'm not going to preach to them, but I would say that churches in in general, you start changing the tide, there's that whole thing as, who moved my pulpit, right? (laughs) Well, who moved my cheese? That came up in the 80s, right? Yes, but (laughs) who moved my my pulpit is there's a book out there, who moved my pulpit, and it's a a good read, and I would encourage people to go and, and read that if you're a church leader. Go and read that. But I've, I've, I've seen discussions happen. Not in my church, thank the Lord, but <laughs> churches I have, I have spoke at, um, they'll go in and try to repaint the secretary's office, and they argue over it. It's always been this color, or this is always goes here. Or they'll change the carpet into the sanctuary. Or they, it, this has always been a wooden pulpit, right? Or it's always, we've always had pews, or we've always had these types of chairs. Or this is the way that things are situ- situated. It's that value. They think that they are doing great commission work. They have a tradition of an identity of who they are as a church, and we hold those values in the same level as a great commission. And so what I'm going to, coming back to is this. When we're talking about great commission work in, in, in churches specifically, it's changing the mindset. It's about pastors are afraid, and this is the truth, right or wrong, wrong mainly, but hey, Okay, they're afraid to muddy the waters. Those are the tithers. Many churches in the United States, evangelical church in the United States, um, the size of the church is under 100 people. If I go and start to reorder and change the process of my church, all my tithers and people are gone, then I don't have a church. Well, this, this raises tougher questions. Perfect love casts out fear, right? I mean... It is, and that's, that's, that, that's true. But it's a reality. The reality is this, though, is how do you come alongside of somebody? Maybe, and, and that's where you want to give resources to these people, right? How can they need somebody to come alongside them to help them? It's a matter of there's many pastors, there's many places and churches that are now pulpit empty 
but there's many churches, 80% of the churches in this country, give or take a few percentages, are less than 100. Then take it a level up. If we're saying if we're saying that our pastors need to be discipled so they understand what this looks like and so they, they can carry it on to the folks below them, then, then that's where we begin. But someone has to start this process it starts of with raising the, up the leaders. Now, if we're saying that, that we need to come alongside of the church leaders and do that, then let's do that. Yeah, it's it's enablement, right? So, and and it's the win the right to be heard. You're coming alongside to win the right to be heard, to build the trust, to help others do that. It's it's not that people don't know some of these answers. That's just one of the barriers, the know how. The other part is the time and management. I'm so busy, because here's here's the fact. Okay, many of these um, pastors that are of churches 100, 120 or less, they're bivocational. They have a job. That's where many we we were many times we want to assume that everybody we're talking to has a full time job as a pastor. That's not the case. Eighty some percent of the um, people in this country who are pastors are bivocational, so their time element is very limited. So to be able to come alongside of these people, it's it, they need help. They need someone to come alongside and go with them in this journey. Um, and th- so they they understand. Some of them may know know how, but the other barrier is time. It's not that they don't want to. They just they they have they have to support their family. They need to have they have a job. Um, it's a it's a matter of time for them how to be able to get some of this done because it's transition. When you transition a church from a traditional mindset, if you want to call it that, to a more discipling culture, you're doing both at the same time as you transition. That takes time, and the period of that time could be very elongated, depending on who those people are. I get it, Brian. I spent a considerable amount of time in my own life balancing a lot of responsibility. So I, I believe me, you're, you're, you're speaking to the choir here. I understand the time commitment. But if we have that love for Christ and we, we want to be obedient to the Great Commission, if we're, if we're in that spot where we're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do, we make the time. So right now we're talking about just the barriers that are very real. Whether you disagree with them or not, that does not the point point is, they're real. So how do you help them? Time is a perceived barrier. We put that on ourselves. That's not a real barrier. We have perceived values, and we, we're literally doing that to ourselves. We're saying that this is more important, this is more important, this is more important. I don't have the time. That's a self-imposed barrier. How do you help someone understand that? Come alongside them and spend some time with them. In the, in the, in the, in the culture that we are in today, there's not many that they can go find those resources that is one of the barriers of, of having the tools. I, was, I spoke at a conference. We began with the vision and mission statement. People were excited. I'm going to do this. It's about close to 10 guys. At once we got through with it, and they started to impart some of this, because I would say out of the 10, I'd say eight of them were bivocational. Okay. The time element, the pushback they're getting from their congregants, they just need help. They need help. To be able to come alongside, many do want to, the how-to, the putting in the time to get it done, while still meeting the needs, like the visit, all the different things are very, very real. So it's, it's as you change the culture, it's not like some, the time element is very real because there's a lot of, it's not that they're um, prioritizing wrong. Some of them actually, and some of them are, but some of them actually desire to, but there is a constraint. Because you are, you do have needs in the church that need to be met, and moving, and, and developing leaders because they're the ones that's going to model this for you. No one's denying that there's needs, 
And again, it, it comes back to prioritizing. When Moses was going through this, there was a lot of needs. And he was never, no matter how good he got at it, was going to be able to satisfy them all. That's the whole point. We have to make time to raise up the leaders, to make time. So we have to make time to make time. If we don't raise up the leaders, we don't take the time to do that, we're literally propagating the problem. And that's what Moses learned. That's why he switched, right? It didn't say that Moses thought about it, he contemplated it. He understood the wisdom in that. And he switched. And he trained up leaders. And he had more time in his day. We need to do that as a Christian community. Yeah, he raised up Joshua, and they, he must have thought, oh, I'm doing a good thing, and he, this is not going to work. <laughs> he had to get more people in there. You just Sometimes you got to really pick out your leaders and, and watch people for a while and say, I would love to now invite you in on meetings we're having. I'd like to have you to our house. I'd like to start to nurture that. And that's the hard part, but we have to do it. It just has to be done. We have to start bringing, raising people up. So if, if the biggest problem is coming along our, our Christian leaders and, and uh, finding folks that can pair up with them, we can do that, right? We can find those organizations. There's, there's a lot out there that come along leadership in churches and help them understand how to go along this journey and how to reassess where they're at and create a plan to get into that mode of where they're training up leaders and, and getting into discipleship. There's, there's lots of ways to do that. We certainly encourage our leaders to, to email us at redletter at livingrockministries.org. And uh, we have some organizations that we work with. We'd love to pair you up with someone if you're struggling and have some questions and are trying to figure this out, uh, just like we are uh, during our discussion today. So thank you very much for joining us today. We look forward to uh, uh, joining with you next time. Have a blessed week.